Why is he even loading him like he about to catch this bitch? <laughs> He's supposed to be out of bounds. It should have been out of bounds 10 yards ago. Yeah. And that caught the ball and got the hell on. <laughs> I tell you, the fastest watching a dude run during a play was probably you and Chris Johnson. Yeah. And during the play, I was like, uh-oh. This ain't this ain't this ain't what we really want right now. Hey man, and the F1 race car. Like I always say, some people leave the hospital with more. <laughs> hey, 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 so, hey, when they mama taking them out of there, man, they got more than some of us got, dog. My mom and daddy ain't give me that. <laughs> hey Sam, but you weren't the only one that say don't kick it to him. Peyton Manning tried to tell Dungey, yeah. don't kick it to yeah. Hester. But he did it anyway. He, he said, said he's going to teach him Try to prove all the teammates, that he wasn't all the scared of him. Chapel. Chapel. Chapel, the, the night before. The David Goliath story. The night before the Super Bowl, the chaplain preached about David and Goliath. And the reason that David ended up conquering Goliath was because he was the only Israelite that was unafraid. And he said the whole game plan was obviously to not kick it to him. But after chapel, he said to himself, are we scared of a man? Right. And they kicked it to him. What, but when the ball is coming to you in that moment, when you know you're not supposed to be kicked to to open the kickoff, what's your thought? I was shocked. Because, you know, as a kid returning, you can read the, reproach, the approach of the ball. If he's wide, you know what I mean? He's trying to get it this way. He narrowed, he's trying to get it to the left. So he was more two yards outside the ball. And I'm like, I don't know where he's kicking his ball. And he ended up blooping it. And when he kicked, I was like, oh, shit. oh, shit, kicking it with me. <laughs> and I'm like, damn. I'm like, shit, coach was like, hey, listen, Devin, for this game, you may get one opportunity to be honest with you. He said, if you take it and you break two, three tigers and you go for 25 yards, that's it. So he was like, you gonna get one opportunity, man. You better make the best of this, man. And so, God forbid, it was the first one. I'm shocked. And I'm like, boy, this is my first time to make out to him to make a play on the ball. This is the Super Bowl, first play of the game. I know I ain't going to touch the ball no more the rest of the game. Shoot, I, I can't go down. <laughs> That's my, that my mentality. How, I can't how go does, down. How does that return stand in your head, considering, you know, it was probably the greatest uh, opening to a Super Bowl ever? Right. Right? But you guys lost. Yeah. How does that diminish the moment? It killed the whole Super Bowl atmosphere. You know what I mean? Of us just playing in the Super Bowl, but it was like uh, how everybody looked at it was like, man, this is one of the most greatest plays that ever happened in the NFL. Right. And for it to be in the NFL in the Super Bowl and not on the Super Bowl, the first play of the game, it never started out like that. And so, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's a bittersweet type feeling. You still gotta cherish the accolades and the compliment that you made as an individual as well as, you know what I mean, knowing that we lost the game. And so it's it's a bittersweet when we talk about it. Have you, though, because that was your rookie year. Yeah. And the things you did that year was simply amazing. I believe the the the, the Bears' offense, for a team to reach the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. I think the Bears' offense was the lowest scoring offense in the history of the game. Fact. You had games where Cutler threw for 34 yards, Yet the defense and yourself do the returns help you guys. You you broke a few game-winning returns that year, your rookie year. Right. Are you able to put that into, like, real-time perspective? I think me and Robbie Gold was leading in points on our team. Robbie Gold is our kicker. <laughs> so I think I led the team in touchdowns yeah. as a returner that year, and Robbie led in points as a field goal kicker. That year, our defense and our special team just carried us all the way through. You know what I mean? And the offense fed off us, you know what I mean? And when the defense got going, we got a couple three and out. I got some big returns. Even if they won touchdown, we were giving our offense on a 40-yard line. You know what I mean? We're one or two first down, we in field goal range. So they really fed off us and allowed the offense to put some points on the board here and there. Hold up. Limitless. Biggest to me, God pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Biggest to me, God pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up.
Well, you know, it's our fault, man. We were so excited that, that you were here and hell, me and Chan were so damn scared. <laughs> Before you walked in, I was like, he finna score again. <laughs> he walked up fast. <laughs> yeah. We didn't get an opportunity uh, to introduce you. Uh, Devin Hester, man, welcome to The Pivot. Chan, I'm RC. This is Freddie T. A record-setting football player who all of us believe should be in the Hall of Fame. 21 return touchdowns, 14, what is it, 14 punts, wow. six kickoffs, and a missed field goal that I think you took for 108. You know, everybody knows about that part of your life because we could cut the film on. Right. Uh, a lot of people don't understand what got Devin Hester to that point, the things that built him up through adversity. One of the things I found funny was uh, your little brother talking about the fact that they didn't cut the grass in the winter mm -hmm. where you guys played. I think it was Wells Field or, right. or something like that when you were growing up. I laugh at people yeah. from Florida. They got all kind of reasons why y'all fast. Some folks chase rabbits. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's all these, <laughs> all these different things. Right. But for you, what was it like, you know, growing up where you did and, you know, whether it was playing two-hand touch where you said, man, it started with a throw and I would take that back to the house or being pushed to play football to get through certain things you know you've gone through in your life which we'll get through how did your upbringing start to shape who you were as a man florida you're you're kind of forced to play football you don't have no choice you know what i mean we of course you have every now and then you have one or two guys that just want to be that basketball player but in florida our christmas was like 85 90 degrees so when you talk about you can always look at a a Florida athlete compared to a New Jersey or, you know what I mean, up north type player. When you just look at the way they move, it's so advanced. And I think it just comes from just play, us playing football year round. Like, I can remember growing up, all we did was homework outside football. Homework outside football every day. That's all we did. So when it came for rec ball, we was all in one community. We knew everybody. Everybody went to the same middle school. That's all we knew. And growing up, bro, you, you read the stories, read stories about your, your mother, how much she meant to you, mm -hmm. your father and your father-in-law. Right. And like, even deeper than that, not just football, like... His stepfather? Stepfather. Yeah. What is father-in-law? I don't even know how that works that well. <laughs> oh, that's your wife's daddy. Yeah. Your, wife, like, your stepdaddy. Yeah. Yeah. Father, your stepdaddy, and your mother. But even deeper than that, like, to RC's point, like, what made you, everybody ran around, bro, right, right, but everybody right. like your chain has, which I'm assuming, mm -hmm. the greatest of all yeah. time, like that side of it. You know, with certain people, you just know he got it. And um, unfortunately, I was blessed to just say that this guy here just, whatever he does, like anything, like growing up in the Boys Bear Club every day, pool, table tennis, baseball, whatever, like I was just blessed to be one of the great ones, the best ones on the team. And not only that, but I grew up where I always had to play with the older kids. I never fit in with the younger kids. And I think that what made me so special where when I started playing with kids my age, it was too easy. Because at the age four or five years old, I had older cousins making me play with the 13 or 14 year old. The talent that I, I was building up, it was already me. Say for instance, a, a five-year-old, he's not—he's not going to kindergarten, to first grade. Now, your parent, I'm moving you to sixth, seventh grade, off rip. And I think that what that separated me from so. That's why, I, like me growing up, to be honest, I never felt comfortable when I had to play on my age group, because I felt like I had to play down to fit in. Mm. So I would take players off. I would slow myself down, so I wouldn't be the the sore thorn where I stick out. I never wanted to be a team captain, you know what I mean? Because I already knew I was one of the best ones on the team. So I didn't want my homeboys, our people on the team say, man, coach always showing him favor. He always the favorite one on the team. He can never do nothing wrong. So in practice, me growing up, I had to force myself to sometimes play down to everybody. So when it was my opportunity to say, you know what? You don't have no choice. It's time to play football. That's why it was always so easy for me. Like, my first, I can remember my first time playing part one when I played on um, Little League, first play of the game, touchdown. When I got to high school, they moved me to varsity as a true freshman. First play, first carry, touchdown. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, when I got to college, 
my first play against them, Florida Gators. Yeah. First time touching the ball in the Orange Bowl. But then you called that though? Touchdown. Yeah, I already told my special team coach. I said, listen, man. called <laughs> it. Listen, bro. Y'all don't know how, like, when I want to play, I can play. I say, listen, bro, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this to the house, and I'm going to take my helmet off. Because I'm going to show y'all that well built for this. You know what I mean? So he said, all right, you know So he, yeah, you a freshman. I don't care what you, yeah, 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 yeah. You going to get, and him, like, you going to get your ass tagged on the 10-yard line. Sure enough, to the house. Like, bro, like, I felt so dominant when I got to the league, bro, to the point where, in my mind, it was time where I would tempt to take my helmet off and throw it to the side and get ready to catch the punt. That's how much confidence I had Okay, myself, okay. Like, yeah, Dale, real, real, real talk, Dale. Real ain't talk, Dale. Real talk. Listen, Dale. listen. If you go back and watch, they, they did a clip of my first two years in the league and just watch how dominant I was. Every, every three returns I had, one of them was a touchdown. Every three. Every three times I touched the ball. So imagine, people, people don't realize has to fell off after two years. No. If you look at the statistics, my, my next three, four years, I wasn't even able to make the Pro Bowl because I didn't have enough returns. That's because team was kicking away from me. That's why I got moved to offense. In my mind, bro, like preseason games, I was averaging 30 yards of, of return at punt return. Yeah, let's let's because that's a lot. Yeah. And and we're gonna get back to that. But what's standing out to me is you talk about, you know, and even the people that are watching this or hearing this, you talk about how easy and how dominant you were as a youth. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't always that way. Right. You know, when you pull back the layers, uh there were moments where um you you cried a lot and you 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 know uh, didn't really, you lost your love for the sport. Right. Um, you lost your father mm-hmm. to cancer, and your mom was in a severe, uh, were in a car accident where she um, had severe injuries from it. Right. Um, and you battled childhood depression. Mm-hmm. What, where did you get your strength from, though, to continue? Probably my mom. My mom, you know what I mean? Me growing up, and after losing my father and then my mom in a car, a severe car accident where she had to be airlifted. The, the car that they showed her and my grandma was like, it was God that both of them was alive. You know what I mean? So my mama went through a trauma stage for like almost a year where she couldn't even walk. And the first six months of uh, watching me mom get out the bed to go use the bathroom and boo-hoo crying because she was in so much pain. This this is going on for like six months straight where every time she had to go use the bathroom, she boo-hoo crying, tears coming out. I'm trying to help out the bed. My brother, we trying to help out the bed. And this six months straight, bro. You're around 12? I was like about 12 years old, about, t- about 10, 11. And watching that, man, I'm like, wow, with a neck brace on and just scars and, you know, just everything just from the accident, bro. I'm like, wow, how could... How could a person go through this where every day you hate to use the bathroom, you can't even get out of bed? And just going through that situation, man, and still being able to, to, to be more mature, because now we're more on our own, where we had to grow up and say, hey, mama not, she's not mama right now. Like, you know what I mean? You guys got to start learning how to iron your clothes, wash your clothes, wash dishes, you know what I mean? Cook. Get each other ready. We got a little sister, you know what I mean? And you know what I mean? The faith that she had in God, you know what I mean? I think it's another thing. My mom, people don't realize my mom is a pastor. And we grew up in the church and faith that we had, and she instilled in us, bro. Like, I felt like I, I caught my first time catching Holy Ghost when I was nine. <laughs> like, for real. Like, that's, that's how much we was in the church, man. Like, we did homework, we did schoolwork, everything in church. We went to church three, four days out of the week. Like, I know y'all probably went to Sunday school, church probably on Sunday. We went four or five days a week. I grew up with Sheila Clark. You, see you spent Halloween in church. We, we, celebra- church? we ain't celebrate Halloween, bro. Yeah, we went we to church celebrate Halloween all Sunday. the time. Yeah, What's wrong with Halloween, bro? It's a devil. It devil Hallow's Eve, man. man. It's the devil's the holiday. Devil's holiday to do with. The devil ain't got Chan. no goddamn holiday. Chan, we, got, we went to a lock-in, the Harvest Fest. Yeah, you, We slept at church. 
I like Lockheed. And they give you candy. That's what you, that's what you got, I got candy I got, way more, I got way more candy at my Lockheed. <laughs> <laughs> not, at, hey, not at church, bro. <laughs> not at church. <laughs> I, like me, I like me a Lockheed. <laughs> they can't go nowhere. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the strength you gained from your mother, but when your father uh, was diagnosed with cancer and he had to tell you and your brother that he wasn't going to be around much longer yeah. and that he loved you, what was that conversation like for you? Me and my father didn't grow up together. We didn't, I didn't know my father until, I would say my first time ever seeing my father was, I want to say kindergarten. He came out of school to pick us up. My father was in prison. Me growing up, I think my father got locked up maybe not like three months, seven months. So I never really got a chance to see my father. And first time he seen my father, I ran from him because I was scared. Just we had rumors that, you know what I mean, when he get out, he going to kidnap us and all that. So I was afraid and we didn't know when he was getting out. And so when he did get out, I was in kindergarten and, you know, we at the school, you got the teachers and your parents coming to pick up the teacher, pick, pick you up. And then the teacher saying, this your father? Yes, this your father. So kids leave with their parents. And I seen them because I seen pictures of them and my eyes lit up. And she was like, that, that, this, this man said, he's your father. Is this your father? And I was just so speechless and I was shaking because I thought he was going to kidnap us. So first thing I think of was I ran to my brother class. He's, he's a year older than me. And I, Bound on the door, hey, hey, is Nars here? And it's like, yeah, it's right there. I'm like, we gotta go. So he looking at me like, what's wrong? I said, daddy here, he about to kidnap us. Damn. And so the first thing we did, he grabbed his book bag, we take off, we running home. We go home and tell my mom, hey, we just, I just seen daddy, he out, he here, he trying to kidnap us. So that was like, that was my first time meeting my father. You know, because your brother's a junior. Right. Why would you, or who told you the stories, or where did you guys get it from that that's what your father would do once he was released from We prison? just, like, you just have families where you get into it, you know what I mean? My mom and got into it with my dad's side of the family. While my father was in prison, you know what I mean? It was kind of distant. Nah, I don't go over there. Nah, they, they this, they that. That type of family, you know what I mean? So. My mom always told us, just be well. If your dad ever get up, get out, you know what I mean? It may be a chance, maybe he may be trying to kidnap. His room was going around there. That's what his mindset is. So that's what we were told. How did the relationship mature then? It matured because on the minute he got out, you know what I mean? He started getting himself together, started, got a job, got his own place. And um, we kind of slowly worked our way back into, you know what I mean? Seeing him on the weekends, spending the night during the weekends. and. You know what I mean? That kind of built a relationship where we were like, okay, now we know who our real dad is. Spending night only who started like, I would say within a year or so, he was over there every week. Yeah. So did, did that did that help you? Yeah. Because a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? The, the, yeah. the single mother stuff's big. I was worried about single mother, but did you did you feel that that helped you? Because like you're saying, the start of the relationship, you ran from the motherfucker. Right, right, right. Like, right yeah. Right. But did that help you as a as a you? It helped me because. You know, you always want to know who your real parent is. Regardless of how bad your situation is, if your parent gave you up for adoption. When you get older, the older you get, you always want to say, wow, I really, I want to know how my real father is. I know this is my, my stepdad. I know it. in reality, he's not really my dad. I want to know who my real dad is. So me and my brother, we were so eager to like, let's, let me learn who my real daddy is. And so when we start doing that, I'm gonna be honest with y'all, man. The story that we put out about my dad had cancer, he did, he had AIDS. And I was, I'm, I'm just tired of lying about the situation, bro. Wow. You know what I mean? He had AIDS and uh, that situation, you know what I mean, the cancer is inside the boys' car. I'm tired of, you know what I mean? And this is my first time telling anybody. So my dad, he really had AIDS, but I was so embarrassed to say AIDS. I always covered it up with cancer. But me growing up and me and my brother getting a chance to learn them. And when we started building a relationship with him, that's when we found out he had AIDS. And so I don't know if you guys have ever been around people that had AIDS and, and the transition that they started having. 
when they start getting in bloom, where they're in and out the hospital, they're losing weight, you're scared to touch them. It was like, wow, man, I finally get to be my dad. I'm like seven, six, seven, and then, dang, I meet him. And shoot, now he got eight when I really started growing, having a relationship with him. So it's like, wow. I'm scared to go over there now. You know what I mean? And it was tough, you know what I mean? But the time that we did, I would say we spent two, three years of bonding. But then at the same time, as a kid, you're like, wow. I'm scared to eat when he cook. You know what I mean? As a kid, you don't know. And so, you know, dad come give me a hug. I'm scared to give him a hug now. Nah, you know what I mean? He kissed me on the cheek. I'm, I'm nervous. You know, dang, you know what I mean? I ain't know you. You know what I mean? I ain't know you couldn't get AIDS from saliva. I'm a kid. So I'm like, now I'm, I'm freaking out. You know what I mean? So just everything in that situation, man, I didn't think, I'm glad I was able to spend two or three good years with him. But just the stories that I have, you know what I mean? Just asking my uncles and my aunties, well, how was my dad? Well, how was he growing up? And um, I don't know if, uh, I know my dad used to go to Belgrade a lot and race a lot of cats from Belgrade. He was very fast. Um, I know that's where I did, I did get my speed from. Mm -hmm. He was, before he got locked up, he was a side hustle. You know what I mean? He did a lot of street betting. Uh, he didn't like to work. He didn't. He ran track for like one or two years in high school, but he didn't like the sun. Uh, they say he was a pretty boy. He just was a. He just. He just always dressed up and had all the pretty girls. But he was the fastest thing on earth when it came to Palm Beach County. Like there's so many stories that they gave me. You know what I mean? Where he raced like the the guy that won state championship. He went and raced him. They had a bet going on the whole neighborhood out. They say he ran past dudes, slapped him on the ass, and turned around, last two meters. Like, that's just what he did. You know what I mean? He just fast, but he ain't want nothing to do with sports. So when people talk about my dad, that's the only thing I can think of, you know what I mean? Okay, this is what he was. Yeah, I, first, I want to apologize, yeah. man, that you had to endure that as a as a kid. Uh, but I, I understand your pain. Yeah. Because uh, I was in college. I tell RC and Chan and everybody else that's watching this. Um, I, I was embarrassed, you know, by a few things growing up. But one of the big things, especially being in college, was that they would say, because when AIDS come about, mm. like, there wasn't a whole lot of data or information. Like, we didn't understand it. You talk about, you know, kissing him. Then later, they started talking about uh, uh, blood transfusion right. and all this stuff, how you can actually uh, uh, get AIDS. But the one uh, negative thing that, sort of followed me was my hometown. You mentioned Belglade. Right. It was considered the AIDS capital of, right. the, of, the, of the country, of the US. Right. And that's, there's 16,000 people there. Right. So it was a, you didn't understand that it's per capita, you know, uh, and the percentage was the highest per capita uh, and everybody was boxed in. So that was something that followed and embarrassed me in college. Mm -hmm. So if people would say, hey, where you from? You know, it took, you know, me to really stand up and man up and say, I'm from Belgrade. Yeah. You know, and that was tough. Cause it was the easiest thing to do was say, I'm from Palm Beach. Right. I'm right. from West Palm Beach or whatever. But then I would have, you know, I would have been a sellout. Yeah. So I started falling in love with saying I'm from the muck, I'm from Belgrade. Uh, because, you know, we we have a rich history of uh, of of great athletes that yeah. that left and we dominated for a while. So I understand what you have probably went through as a kid. Yeah. And uh man, just uh just just not knowing, mm -hmm. you know, especially being a youth. But um I'm glad you're able to share that here on the pivot with everybody. But I'm pretty sure with all of that, your mom's injury, uh your father losing your dad, that just made you a lot stronger yeah. individual. Of course. Like you say, bro, I know he he's from the more, I'm from Palm Beach. We we share ties. Like I got my my grandfather from the era. I got Uncle Jesse. His jersey is retired, and they and they Was locked a dog. And, and they and they high school. He went to Berkeley. So you know what I mean. We when you talk about Berkeley and Palm Beach, it's, it's the same thing.
It's time to talk about our partners over at DraftKings, and we got a deal for you. Any new customers signing up with the promo code PIVOT, you place a $5 bet, you instantly get $150 in bonus bets. You know I love the same game parlays. Been doing it for years. And right now, if you're signed up for DraftKings like I am, you get a no-sweat bet on the parlays. If that parlay doesn't hit, you get a bonus bet. It's probably good for you, because I'm sure your parlays never hit. So they probably did the no-sweat bet just because they love your personality. I'm following Chan. It, it only makes sense. The no-sweat bet is so sweet, I got to do it. But check it out. Because we're in Jersey, I'm playing this week. Wherever you are, don't worry about it. They got the DraftKings Daily Fantasy. If you're not there wherever the sports book at, you still can get in the game. Get out your mobile devices and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Any new customer using the promo code PIVOT, you place a $5 bet, instantly get $150 in bonus bets. Back to the show. You know, you mentioning, you know, those high schools, like, you know, we always joke about it. Everybody understands what Florida is when it comes to athletics. More importantly, when it comes to football. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the reason the Miamis and the Florida States and the Floridas were what they were when we were all in school. And now, obviously, things have changed. But uh, I believe you had a touchdown return in the Cali-Florida game Yeah. Uh, on a return. When you were getting recruited, what drew you to UM? They was just the hottest team at that time. It was the hottest team. Um, UM, people don't know, UM was my first college letter. And I think that right there just that's my first college. I got a college, I got a letter from you in my sophomore year, middle of my sophomore year, and it came from you on. And I was like, wow, they was like, listen, man, we, we see something in you, you special. Then I had a cousin by the name of Mike Smith that started linebacker at UM. I don't know if he played mm -hmm. with Brown, your time, Smitty. Fred. Yep. Smitty, yeah. And then like when you know you get crude, you start getting free tickets to go to the games. And this just just going to the games, bro and sending that stands and being able to mingle with them guys before the game and then to see them come out that smoke, bro, at, at o, the OB, I was sold. I said, I, I got to play for them. I don't care what, what other teams recruit me, I got to play for Miami. And so I was locked in and sold from day one. But that wasn't almost always the case mm -hmm. because after you committed, fully committed to, to UM, uh, there was some SAT yeah. allegations that came about. Right. Can you take us through that that process and how that came to fruition? At the time, man, we're getting recruited from all these things, you know what I mean? As a kid, when you get the five visits, all you can think about, man, I'm finna miss Thursday and Friday of school. <laughs> you know, and I'm finna go on a flight. You know, I ain't never been on a plane. I'm finna start flying and going to the plane. I'm finna use all five visits. You know, I don't care, you know what I mean? So you and I already knew I was going there, but I was like, man, I'm taking advantage of these trips, man. And so like a lot of teams, like I was shutting down off rip, like the Virginias, the Syracuse, back in the day, Clemson won all that, the Clemsons and all that. Nah, I'm good. And then it was like, I started looking at the map, the, the, the count, the map, and I'm saying, what do I want to travel? You know what I mean? What places do I want to see? And so I started traveling. I ended up going to Purdue. I know my point. I'm like, why the? Hey, why nothing. The, hey, so when <laughs> I got here, I said, man, I just want to go somewhere far. <laughs> I'm like, I want to see snow. Is it snow around this time, Coach? So you know what I mean? You know, from Florida, we ain't never seen snow. Yeah. So I want to see snow. So I went to Purdue, bore down to it. You know what I mean? After a while, started shaking hands, getting close to signing day. And um, to, to, to piggyback, so I ended up taking my SAT my junior year. And we, when you, when we all know as athletes, when you take your SAT, within two weeks you get your test scores back, two or three weeks. If you don't get them back, something going on. It's, they don't found something, they don't challenge it or something. So I took my SAT my junior year, middle of my junior year, got my SAT scores back, everything good, right? Going to my senior, it's, it's this is the best feeling when you, when you an athlete, you take your SAT your junior year and your GPA is close to like a 3.0, you know what I mean? And you, all your test scores, now your whole scene, all you gotta worry about is football. I would encourage every athlete, bro, if you plan on going to college, if you get all that stuff knocked out your junior year, your senior is just playing football. Easy ride. It's nothing to worry about. So I was in that situation, you know what I mean? Going to my senior, I just had a ball, just getting recruited, having fun, you know what I mean? And then signing day was coming up. 
coach is calling me, hey, what you going to do there? Listen, man, I'm sorry, man. You know what I mean? I'm going to you. Um, then I started getting certain colleges calling me. Question, hey, what you going to do? We put too much time in and my job is on the line. I don't invest in more time. I don't cut two or three, four players that we could have pulled, that we could have had, but I'm, I'm, con I'm constantly working on you. Coach, man, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm going to UM. Start again. Coach start again. Man, heated. Cussing and stuff. I said, bro, I got to let my mama talk to you now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So my mom started talking to some of the coaches, like, listen, my son already made the decision. We getting ready to sign with UM. So one of the coaches, after a while, he, his, like, I guess his job on the line now. If he don't get me, I guess he was going to lose his job. So he's like, listen here. And I'm being straightforward with y'all. If he don't come here, I promise you, he would never see a down, another down of football in his life. So my mama laughed at him. She cussed him out, hung up the phone. <laughs> Bro, all of a sudden, I get to UM. I check in my dorm room. I'm finna get off. You know what I mean? I'm finally here. You know what I mean? And then the dean come knock on the door. Hey, we got a situation. It's nothing to worry about. Come down to the office. We're going to sort it out, work it out. I go down to the main office. It's been a situation where they, they're requesting your SAT scores. Another another call in was called in the NCAA, and they wanted to question your SAT score. So I'm like, fine, whatever, go ahead, question it. They come back two days later, like, nah, just chill out, go to your room. We're not going to let you practice today. Just go to your room, relax. You come to practice and watch, but we can't allow you to practice. Fine. So I go to my room, we chill. I let my mom know, know what's going on. Next day, they, they, we go meet up again, and they saying, hey, man, you know what I mean? Unfortunately, we, it's an incident where they saying that your scores match somebody else's scores. I said, okay. So how y'all, who cheats out who? They say, your scores match him, but you score higher than him. I said, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hold on right quick. So I cheat out Chandler, right? You saying I cheat on him, but my I got a eight, I got a nine eight. He got a, he got an eighty. How you cheat off me? <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that that was the situation. Your score is matched the guy you were sitting next to you, but you score higher than him. So I said, man. So what do I got to do? They said, UM can go ahead and they know this because it's no proven fact, right? There's no proving that it happened, but if a UM allow you to play and we do more investigating, it comes back that they realize, say that, or say that you cheated, then UM will be ineligible for the bowl. So UM, like, bro, we just, we just won a nice championship. We're on our way to another one. D, I know we love you, dog, but we can't allow you to jeopardize this season. We're going to have to sit you out. But it's, it's up to you on you on you can play them. If we do we dig into it and we find out something, we're gonna we gonna disqualify y'all for the whole season. So you gonna say, nah, we just gonna sit them out and wait the next year, let everything clear out, and then come back to play. So I say, so what I gotta do now? And then you gotta chill. You can stay up here, or you can go home. I say, bro, I'm not staying up here. I can I go to class? I say, nah, you can't even go to class. So when they found out it was up to UM. All the colleges started calling me now. Listen, we got another scholarship right now. We willing to take it. <laughs> so, I, you know what I mean? This was this where I said, you know what I mean? This where I would say I really gained faith in God. I'm on my way home. My mama phone getting blown up from colleges. Listen, we just found out the situation. Maybe it was that guy, whoever did the call. Maybe he called, you know what I mean? Listen, we willing to take D right now. We gonna play on, we, we know that it ain't, it ain't no Proof that he cheated out, whatever the case may be, we'll take him. My mom said, nah, we're gonna stick with you. So when I got home, the minute I pulled in that driveway, bro, like tears just started flowing from my face. And I'm like, man, wow, is it really over for me? You know what I mean? Because where we grew up, it was football or mm -hmm. the street. Yep. You know what I mean? You play football and you see all the cars around by with the big rims and the music banging. Oh, I'm playing this because I want one of those cars. And right. I wanted to get it the right way. You yeah. can get it the right way or the hard way. And so when I went home, I said, I don't know nothing else, bro. What football? 
So, bro, I go in the house. My mom, she look at me. I look, I open, when I open up my door, bro, and I seen all the little posters from Florida State that I had on my wall, all the college posters, and looking at them, I'm like, boy, listen, I'm finna call one of the ET and tell them, come get me, bro. I can't, I can't sit here. My mom, my mama told me, bro, listen, you sign where you on, you gonna stick it out. Wow. And then, so like, when I called you and I, and I, 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 I was finna leave without my mom's permission at one point. So I called you and I'm like, listen, bro, my mama told y'all I'm finna stick, but I, I'm trying to go get it. I'm trying to at least go to school, bro. You know what I mean? At least be in class, doing something on the practice squad or something. I'm finna go somewhere else. And they say, hey, Devin, listen, we got by 12 veterans fighting over your jersey now. This is our commitment. We won't know, we won't allow nobody wear number four to let you know that we gonna be committed with you. They had like 12 vets. I don't know who they were, but they wanted number four. And they said, listen, we, that's our commitment to let you know that we gonna, we gonna stick with you regardless. So when they told me that, I said, you know what, I'm gonna stick it out, bro. Yeah, I mean. That's the only reason I stuck it out, bro. To be honest, good for Miami. Because they would have been yeah. stupid to, <laughs> to not yeah. stick yeah. with you. And that was obviously the just part of the heyday. That was like the second iteration of UM dominance when all of you guys were at school. And then what you became in the NFL, not just you, but from the, the Ed Reeds and the, the, the S. Dots, the Sean Taylors, the Frank Gores, Clinton Portis. But going forward, man, uh, you mentioned that Florida State posters that mm -hmm. you ripped off your wall. Deion Sanders has been yeah. a huge supporter of yours. Called you before the Virginia game one year right. and say, look, I want to be your mentor. I believe you can be certain things. Morton Anderson mm -hmm. is in the Hall of Fame. I believe the two best special teams players of all time are Devin Hester and Justin Tucker. Yeah. I believe that both of, both of you are first ballot Hall of Famers. You know, Freddie T mentioned that Super Bowl year Rex Grossman wasn't it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to be honest, that wasn't the team. You were the team. The defense was the team. When you think about the Hall of Fame, I'm sure you believe you should get in. You actually said, I know I'm going to get in, but it's about how long I'll have to wait. Yeah. How long do you think you have to wait? I mean, I was preparing for this question just driving here. And then I thought about Fred and, you know what I mean, his time of waiting and is and I always look at it like it's it's like a draft. If we all in here and we know we straight dogs. If you don't get drafted in the first round, you don't even care no more. You just team pick me and I'm ready to play football. That's how I felt about the first ballot. As a kid growing up, you know what I mean? I want to make the first ballot. If you put in that word, you know eventually you're gonna make the Hall of Fame. Everybody make the Hall of Fame that played those 12, 13 years seem like. But it's, do I get drafted the first round? That's what I want. Do I make the first ballot Hall of Fame? That's what I want. So when I didn't make it, the first ballot, you know what I mean? I was tore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I started looking at everybody else that's in the Hall of Fame, what they did, what they accomplished, you know what I mean? We got the kicker in, uh, Gay in it. You know, okay, we got a special team in it. I got a shot. When I make it, then make the first ballot. Now I'm at the point, this is going on my third year, it's like, the more I'm, I'm accepting it and I'm, I'm just waiting for my time now. So right as right now, it's just more just when it happens, it happens now. That's how I'm feeling. Your mentor, Coach Prime, Dion, mm -hmm. uh, his stance, how does that make you feel knowing that he's going to bat for you? When you have guys like that, that's, and we all know it, like Dion is, when we talk about Dion, you know what I mean? It, he's one of the elite guys in the NFL. When you talk about NFL, like, He's in that Peyton Manning category. He's just up there, you know what I mean? Whatever he say, he got weight behind his name. So when a guy like that speaks up, you know what I mean? And then, you know, you have other guys speaking up. It's, it was a way for me to sit back and just observe. Because when I didn't make it, I, I went off. To be honest with you, I called the league. I, <laughs> I called, I called. Well, I called, I, so. The guy that, that 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 is over the Hall of Fame, he calls you. Mm -hmm. You got to think about it. I was the last guy to get cut two years in a row. They picked five guys. I was the sixth guy. Wow. So when you made the top 10, that dude called you. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Say, hey, listen, we making a cut tomorrow. Either you're going to make it, I'll give you a call, let you make it, or I'm going to give you a call, let you know you didn't make it. That's who I called. When he called me, <laughs> hey, I, I, I say this number. <laughs> Lee guy over the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote all that in Lee. Over the Hall of Fame. You had to get into that company line. I said, you know what I mean? I just, I, I want to know what happened. Like, you calling me, telling me I'm the last guy I get cut. Let me know what was said in the room. Mm. Like, when did I get cut? Like, I know it's 10 guys on the final. What number was I? I want to know all this. What number was I? He said, yeah, you're the last one again. I said, what? And he said, um, Devin, to be honest with you, man, I was voting for you. But some other guy just said, like, the reason you didn't make it because of the minimum, the snap that you had. So we can't compare you to, it's hard to put you in the Hall of Fame if we got. Zach Thomas, he did 10,000 snaps. Compared to you, you only did a thousand. You know what I mean? So that's that's the reason you didn't make it, to be honest with you. We know you're gonna make it. But it's so hard to compare you to these other guys, because these other guys are putting in 10,000 10, snaps in their career, and then we're looking at your minimum of snaps that you played in the league, and you only showing 1,500, 2,000 snaps. Yeah. That's that's my only answer I can give you. Bro, and to that point, because it was one of my questions, you being the stupid athlete, like we joked about walking yeah. in and me and, me and RC being scared as defensive players, like, yeah. man, he about to score again on us. Yeah. Do you think through your career, because you said you were playing with 13-year-olds at five, mm -hmm. do you think through your career anybody maximized you, maximized your ability on either side of the ball? Because to play defense and offense yeah. in the league is crazy, bro. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you right. speak about Dion. Right. Dion was a hell of a returner, right. but he was an all-pro cornerback as well. Right. Did, did anybody really ever, you being a dumb athlete like you were, right. did anybody ever really teach you how to play a position at a high level? I don't think so. And, and, I, and I talk to this a lot um, to Fred Stubb, brother, which is my best friend, Leroy. Mm -hmm. And he always say, man, you had a good career. And I said, I didn't, bro. I didn't, bro. He said, you did. You, you, you was good in college. I wasn't. I wasn't, bro, because I I felt like I had so much left in the tank, bro, that I could have been if I would just use right. I get Reggie Bush at the prop, but I could have been another Reggie Bush in college, bro. When I got to the league, bro, I felt like if I would have stayed at a position and just mastered that position, bro, I feel like if I would have stayed at corner, I would have mastered that position. I would have been a, a, a better overall fulfill my my destiny and just playing football like i was always bounced around bro never never just played one side of the field from high school part one college and nfl never bro and then it was to the point where it was like okay we struggling on offense put them on corner put them against the best receiver we struggling on, we struggling on defense. On, on, on. Now we, now defense is suspect. Put him on offense. Put him at running back. Just get in the ball. He gonna do what he do. My whole life, bro. Why do you think that was though? Because normally someone who has an immense amount of talent mm -hmm. like you, they figure that out, mm -hmm. right? They, they they figure out what he's best at. It seemed like being ultimately talented as you were worked against you because they more so used you to plug holes instead of saying this is how Devin Hester can become the best player he could possibly be and fulfill his potential. Why do you feel it was so hard for you to find one spot? The reason why I never mastered it because it started at a young age. So I never was saying, okay, Dev, probably in your instinct growing up, when by the time you got to high school, or even college, they say, okay, you just gonna be a corner. Mm -hmm. Worry about corner. That's it. Learn it. Learn the offense. Learn the defense. Yeah. Master. Linebacker. We drive, we, we, we recruit as linebacker. That's all you playing. Right. When I got picked up by Miami, it ain't say cornerback, it ain't say receiver, it's an ATH. Mm -hmm. So now, when you get to the college level, the playbook is that big. Defense and offense. I'm getting both of them. So now my head is spinning. I can't master one. 
because I'm trying to learn this one out. Doing practice, I'm, on, I'm, 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 I'm warming up with the cornerbacks. I'm running drills with the cornerbacks. Next week, I'm in a running back room. Right. Next week, I'm in a receiver room. Next week, I'm with the quarterback because we're learning Wildcat. So I never was put in a position where you can say, damn, listen, master. The only time I felt like it happened was my sophomore year when they put me at corner half of the season and say, listen, we just gonna let you just focus that corner. And half of the season, I ended up leading the, picks, the team in picks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Parade All-American, all that, Playboy, all that. And then the following year, you say, okay, we, gonna, we I'm getting too much notoriety. I'm getting blowed up too much. Listen, Dad, we're going to move you to the third strand because we're getting too much media coming on. I'm tired of all these press icing about you. So you know what? To get them off my back, we're going to move you to the third strand. Ain't no way they did that, Dad. No way these people came to you. I, 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 I don't. Dad, that's hard for me to believe at UM now. At UM, y'all had everybody. The, the, the press. Ask somebody that you know. Anybody that you know that was there my sophomore year. That's crazy. Just, just go, you go have a conversation with them and say, hey, damn sophomore year, when he start, when they put him at corner and he started doing good and led the team in picks, Peace Bowl, I won defense player of the game, parade All-American that year, All-American, Walter Pound, all that. Going into the spring, spring next following season, this ain't regular season, it's just all season training. Nah, we're with third strands right now, bro. Until we calm this media, you getting too much press. That was, that was, that was Larry Coker. Yeah. He he's quoted as saying, "I don't know where to play this kid because he plays every position." And to be that much of a threat at every single position, you know, the one one, I guess the only thing I can think about is, you know, I think you would be so as dominant as you were then. Like you just preceded your era, mm -hmm. right? Even when you talk about Hall of Fame, you were such a great talent that uh, you know they just one they didn't know where to play you. Right. In in terms of evolution of the sport, in today's game, I think you would be so pissed off because you wouldn't get the ball kicked to you because of the rules. Right. Uh, but just to go back a bit in terms, you're talking about the reps in the Hall of Fame because. You know, I, I've started studying it. Yeah, that's, more. That's also never going to change for him, though. It, it, like, it's he, never going to change. There, but there's, there's nothing he can do about there's that. There's no criteria, right? And that's yeah, never going to change. But when they look at errors, and they weigh a lot of it on errors, you look at another Chicago great, Gale Sayers, right? Who played running back, who did returns and all these different things. He's a Hall of Famer, right? I think obviously when they talk about the reps, he didn't maximize reps. But that, that's a that's a valid argument for you, and hopefully they can look at that, and you can get in and be a part of the next class, which I think, you know, should be like high high consideration, and you will make it. I got a few questions, yeah. and then you can answer whichever one you, I'm you choose of. you want. One, um, are you the best player ever in the history of University of Miami football? Are you the the best returner in the history? of the NFL? I got to say no, because I haven't proven it. And when we, when I say I haven't to proven it. To which question? To, for you, um, best athlete you best, best player. Best for player for you, um. I haven't proven it because everybody else that I would consider voting for, they was just that position. Mm -hmm. When you think about Santana Mall, <laughs> right? What other position he played besides receiving kickoff return? Mm -hmm. When you talk about Ed Reed, Ed Reed ain't play no offense. Mm -hmm. Ed Reed ain't play corner. Ed Reed was a safety. The rest of the guy, Ray Lewis, that's all he played was linebacker. Me, I played receiver my first year and running back. Receiver and cornerback my second year. Junior year, started off at, run, uh, at, at cornerback. End of the season playing receiver and running back. Finish out your top yeah. five. Santana, Ed, I Ray. Would, I would, give me two more. I can't name them in order, but I would say Santana, Michael Irvin, mm. Mm -hmm. Ray Lewis, Sean Taylor. Mm -hmm. I gotta say Willis McGade. AUM. Okay. Devin, Devin, we don't have, I don't have, 
a lot of time to debate this. And Channing got the next question, because that's how I work on this show. But there ain't no way in hell Ed Reed's not on that list. That's what I said, Ed Reed. I said Ed Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He kind of bumped it. Yeah, what he went to? Okay. I said Ed Reed. I think I threw Santana in there for him. I said Santana, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Sean Taylor, and Willis. Oh, okay. I must say, count. But it's just crazy. It still blew my mind from earlier, bro. So you bring up them. Ray got a lot of goddamn attention at UM. Ed did. Sean T, I, uh, Andre Johnson, he, you, he stole my soul in the league a couple times as well. Just, <laughs> just the guys I know, Tanner was a monster. Right. And them dudes, but when they were thriving and bringing attention, Willis and them running back, Frank G and them boys, but the attention was all over them. Why, when you had attention, that blows my mind, you getting too much attention, we need to pull you off the defense. That shit's crazy to me when UM is not Kennesaw State, bro. It's UM. It's, I, I think it was because I was younger at the time. I was younger. I was a sophomore. These guys, when they started, when they really got their household name, they had to be like their juniors. And so they had a decision to come out or stay. When you think about it, nobody talked about really Ed his sophomore year like that, but his junior and senior when he made a name, right? Santa Tana really blowed up his junior and senior. So with me, it was my sophomore year, bro. Like they had a they had a draft projection. If I was eligible, I was like at my sophomore year, I was, I was like top 15 pick, bro. But I couldn't come out. Wow. You see what I'm saying? I was a sophomore. So, okay. We all know in these high these schools, when they know like you, you young, you can't come out. He been here, he'll see y'all two battling out. You're a little bit better than him. But since he's a senior, we're gonna let him go ahead and ride. You got two more years. We were so good. It was you know, everybody was good. You can plug, you can plug the, yes, you can plug the, the, the six-string cone in here, fifth year senior. Plug him in, bro, because the rest of these Joe is gonna eat. Mm -hmm. He just gotta just do his assignment and just be in the right place. Cover two, you just jam them inside, play the corner, <laughs> and then work back down to the flat. That's yeah. all you need to do. Yeah. And you're going to be okay. Yeah. That's how it was, bro. That's, that's how it was. Said, just put them inside. Yeah. <laughs> when they throw it to the flat, you're going to make this tackle. <laughs> also, you know too, I mean? we got Jonathan Vilma and them oh, and yes. DJ Wood. DJ Wood was in there. DJ Wood was inside yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. going to make it happen. I think about it. We got two first-round D-tackles. You got two first-round linebackers. You got two first-round safeties. Yeah. The other side of the corner, he was the first rounder. My, my question to, to end the show, and um, first off, thank you for being so open about a lot of the things you were. I've heard you talk before. I've read a lot of things. You know, to say that or to admit that or to give the world that on our show is a privilege. It truly is, man, and, we, and we're grateful for you. But you're going to be a Hall of Famer. I believe we all believe that. I think the world knows that. When you get an opportunity to stand at the microphone and thank the people who have helped you to talk about your journey to that point, what are going to be some of the things that you're going to want to tell the world about Devin Hester's journey to a gold jacket? I think my main topic might be really thanking the people that really was there for me. You know what I mean? For me, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish it. Because it was so easy for 90% of them just, okay, you got talent. Just everything just panned out for you. Your talent just took you every way, all the way through up to the Hall of Fame. Everything I went through, bro, was hard. Everything, bro, from going to college what I had to deal with in the league. Just, it's easy to, for some of the guys to stand up there and say their speech and not drop one tip, because it just came so fucking easy. But the one that really, really had to struggle to get away, some of the ones that can just get up there and just smile and just kiki their whole speech, bro. Like, I salute them because they, they, they were blessed with the talent, they worked hard and they studied and they did what they supposed to do to make it done. 
But when you got them roller coasters, bro, and some of them drops, it's hard to come back up. And you find a way, bro, without no help to get up there, and then you rise to the top, bro. It's it's a different, it's a different speech, bro. It's different, bro. And so I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish it, bro, because it's not making the Hall of Fame for me. It's what I did to get there, bro. And how hard I had to say, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, regardless of what situation I'm going through, keep pushing, bro. Keep pushing. It wasn't easy for you, but your talent was there to hold you there. But you were put in blocks where you could have easily said, fuck it, bro. I'm straight, bro. I did what I can. You know what I mean? They doing this to me. They do. I could have been pointing fingers at everybody, bro, that I had a situation with and just gave up. But it's going to feel real good to me because I didn't give up, bro. That's what's, that's what's going to yeah, be, no. that's what's going, that's my Hall of Fame for me. Not getting the award because I know I'm going to get it and I know I deserve it, but it's, it, the Hall of Fame is, when I look at it, it's me not giving up. From your, your mother's accident to your, your father's illness to people trying to keep you from ever stepping on the field and to be told at the, the peak of your college career that you're too much. We're gonna knock you down again, man, and then to rise to where you did in the NFL, to where still to this day, when I'm asked about the best players I've ever seen play, you're yeah. one of them. Yeah. You know, for a man to be able to say, look, every third time I touched it, you could ring up the scoreboard. Mm. That's different. Yeah. Let you me know. ask you a question, bro. Cause I, I, I me and my roommate talk. He was a star in safety, right? Now Anthony Reddy messed up both his ACL. But I'm a player, I feed off emotion. If coach give me good vibe, well, listen, I'm going to be the best thing out there. You do anything, say anything negative towards me, I'm shutting it down. So when you have a coach that know that, and then my roommate, bro, four years later tell me this, bro, because he didn't want to tell me this. Coach used to tap me and say, hey, I'm finna go, I'm finna go mess him up right now before practice right start. I'm finna get in his head and tell him something where I know gonna mess him up. D, you going with the third train this week. Uh, D, just say something negative that what, what you know that's gonna, gonna get in my head to the point where I'm like, I don't even wanna practice no more. How would you respond to that when he do it? It was days, bro, in practice where I would leave. Wow. Hey, you will clear it. Don't say nothing to nobody go to the locker room, take off my equipment, get in my car, and just ride. I did it about five times. My whole, my junior, I'm saying my junior, I did it about five times. Where I just, like, you you probably never experienced just in college, just in the middle of the practice. Just walk off, and nobody know you left, you just go get in your car, you just clear it. I did it about five times my junior, bro. And it just comes from just, like I said, I'm an emotional player, bro. The crowd going crazy. I'm gonna go crazy. Y'all man, they I must have been you. they must have been going crazy when they kicked it to you at Duke. Jesus. Do you think he was testing you to try to build that callus? At first, right? That's just like you got a kid, right? It's certain things you can say that's gonna build them up. And then there's certain things you can say, well, I, say, I can't say that to him. I can't say that to him. You learn your players. That's what Are good coaches do, learn their players. That's what great players do, learn their players. So after the fourth, fifth time, you already know what it's going to do to you. Mm -hmm. So don't do that to him. Yeah. You feel me? And that's what it was, bro. Like, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. I don't, I'm finna I'm finna lock this dude down. We getting in the line. Don't go with the ones. Go with the threes, because you're going to practice with threes today. I don't want to <laughs> practice no more, man. I'm done, bro. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I want to be with the ones, bro. I want to work. I want, I want to go with the Satan, the Star and Satan, because at the end of the day, me and him got to communicate. Even though you give us a play call, you know what I mean? As long as me and him on the same page, bro, at the end of the day, right? Regardless, of, dang, I ain't hear the play call from the coach. Hey, Satan, we finna do this here. At least we know what we doing on our side. We straight. It's the chemistry, bro. D, I'll say this, and we'll wrap. Despite the ups and downs, the roller coasters, you know, coaches trying to get in your head, you're able to pers uh, persevere through that. I think this is the second show in a row that RC's worn a hoodie that <laughs> spoke to what's going on with the guests in the show. You stood firm. 
Yeah. You know, stand firm, you were able to stand firm and shit, you you about to be in the Mecca soon, man. So yeah. we appreciate your your time, bro. Appreciate you guys. Much love. Yeah. And make sure you tell him Fred Taylor was my favorite player growing up. And when he gets you, you're going to be friends. Yeah, make sure that you tell him that gold jacket on. Yes, sir. you, brother. Hey, shit, I'm going to be there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all I want you to say. Fred Taylor was my favorite, you know, player growing up. I might have great hair by the time you get there. Well, it's all good. I might have a great time by the time I get there. It's all good. It's all good. Hold up. Limitless. Take a simmer guy pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling got me up. Uh, on the mission got me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Uh, only vision I can trust. Uh, trust. Uh, limitless. Take a simmer guy pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling got me up. Uh, on the mission got me up.